Welcome to Sisterhood Stories. I'm your host, Taylor McFarland. This is a space where we empower women to authentically share how God has worked in their life. We hope that you find this content relatable. We believe everybody has a story to share because we believe that Jesus changes everything. Hello, friends. I am here with Sherry Shoning, and I have had the privilege of chatting with her a little bit before we got on here, and I kind of wish that we were just recording that whole time so that everyone could hear what we were chatting about, but it's, she's already been a blessing and already have learned so much from her. And um, in previous episodes, I've just talked about, you know, sitting at the feet of people who have gone before us and of women who sit with Jesus. And um, I'm just excited for Sherry to be here and to just be able to shed some light and bring some encouragement to you guys. So Sherry, why don't you introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about your life? Well, as you said, I am Sherry Shoning, and I guess the message of this conversation is that it's not about me. What the Lord has shown me over and over is that it's about Him and us allowing Him to work through us. Mm -hmm. And so anything that I am and anything I accomplish, I really want it to be focus back on who Christ is. I began my journey very young. Uh, I was three, and my heart's desire has always been to serve Him and to know Him. So my life is so intimately interwoven with my faith mm. that I truly, honestly would not know who I am without Him. He has so much more to offer the world than I have. So it truly is about Him. And I have been uh, blessed to be on this journey for a long time. I was born in Colorado, grew up in, in Wabash, though, went to school in Wabash, left Wabash thinking my, my parting thoughts going to college were, I really don't ever want to come back to this small town. Mm -hmm. um, and I had met people who had never left Wabash County, literally, and I thought, oh my goodness, how narrow-minded that you would think that the whole world revolves around just here. Mm. And I'd been blessed to see part of Europe and to go to Jamaica on some short-term trips, and I knew there was so much more out there. Um, and I have to say, looking back, that there's a level of kind of arrogance with that. One of the things you learn pretty quickly is I had told the Lord, I'm yours, use me however, wherever. But as soon as you put a stipulation like, but not in Wabash... <laughs> you can guarantee that he's going to take you back to where you said, <laughs> except there. Yeah. Um, so if I'd been really smart in my 17, 18-year-old self, I would have said uh, something like Hawaii, maybe, you know, <laughs> just uh, been a little little more uh, creative with that. Um, but the Lord did call me back to Wabash, and I started being the director of rehab therapies for Parkview. It wasn't Parkview then, Wabash County Hospital in 91. So it's been 31 okay. years. It has been such a beautiful journey. I have been able to uh, build some amazing relationships through my career as a physical therapist, the staff that I've worked with. And then I'm the mother of six children, married to an amazing man, Eric, who supports my crazy world and is a true partner in life. Mm, I love that so much. Yeah, me too. So tell me ages of children. My oldest three all have birthdays September, October. So we're talking almost 36, almost 34, almost 32. Then we, we lost a child between Marshall and Faith. So Faith is 27. Then we thought we were done. <laughs> and, um, you know, I told you, my life, I want it to, to be what God wants it to be. And mm. so I thought we were done. 
God did not, but he was the one in, in charge. We gave him control, and um, we had Grace, and she is 20, and we thought we were done. And then we had Hope, who is 17. So there's 18 and a half years difference between our oldest and our youngest. He was the only graduating senior that had a two-month-old sister in the, in the <laughs> audience. Um, but um, it's been an amazing journey, and um, I know that each and every one of those lives he has a purpose for, mm-hmm. um, and so we celebrate that. Yes, absolutely. So tell me what—we talked a little bit about what it means to pray and what it means to hear from God and what it means to be obedient to what he's saying, and there are so many people that maybe haven't ever experienced what that's like to be nudged by the Spirit or to know this is God talking to them or to know this is from God. Can you just lean into that a little bit and tell us what that's been like in your life? Oh, absolutely. Um, and it has been, um, it's been a growth process. Um, I think, you know, as a young child, I think there was probably a period that it was more like my my wish list of all the things, good things I wanted mm-hmm. to have happen. Not necessarily like material things, but just you know, wanting blessings and not really understanding the responsibility to pray for the lost or to pray for the sick in mm-hmm. in the way that I understand now. I remember um, one of the things that was just transformational in my life was that as a very young child, between four and seven, would walk and visit the elderly ladies in the neighborhood. And I was always an old soul. I mean, mm-hmm. at bottom line, um, I grew up in a neighborhood that was a combination of elderly widows and young families. And I would play with the the ki- other kids for just a short bit and be bored and go visit to hear the stories of the elderly widows. And out of that came this appreciation for history and their stories. And um, there was a little lady, Gertrude, who had become a widow at 39, mm. and um, she never had any children, had no family. So she was very, very alone. So my visits really were met with enthusiasm. She had an organ, and we'd play. Uh, she'd play music, and neither of us could sing well, but we'd make a <laughs> joyful noise. But she had a Bible open on her buffet, and I, I would say, what is this? And she'd say, oh, this is my Bible. I've read the whole thing. And I remember as a young child thinking, how could anybody read all those words? You know, and thinking, I don't know, I was probably five, six years old. And most of my books probably had a half a dozen words at the most on a page. Mm -hmm. So it seemed so daunting and intimidating. But out of that, my spirit has always had a level of competitiveness and like to be challenged. So I was determined I was going to read that book all the way through. So by the time I was 11, I had read the Bible all the way through. And that foundation has been huge in in forming my understanding of God, His mm-hmm. heart for the world, the importance of prayer, just so many things, and and also made me aware when people were speaking things that were not true mm-hmm. to the heart of God. And I attended a church full of amazing people, but the pastor, when he preached, he wasn't preaching from the Word of God, and so that allowed me to identify that and to guard my heart. And Mm. so when I had an opportunity to go to a different church, I I chose to. I lived between the French church and a Wesleyan church and a Brethren church on the south side. And Dave and Deb Phillips uh, Mm. moved in next door to us, and they invited me to their church. So I started going to the French church when I was about 11. But your question about prayer, one of the things that I remembered reading the scripture about how Christ is our mediator, and Mm. without him, prayers don't make it to the Father. And so if you're not in relationship with Jesus, if he's not the Lord of your life, then 
you can pray, but it doesn't ever get heard mm-hmm. by the one one power and being that can do something about it. And my heart was burdened with that just from the perspective that I know so many people who really are not in relationship with Jesus who pray, mm-hmm. who say, you know, oh my 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 child's sick. I'm I'm praying, you know, my parents, you know, my parent fell. I've been praying. But realizing there's this sad truth that their prayers aren't really making it to anyone mm. to do anything about that situation. So it awakened within me an understanding of the responsibility and privilege as a as a follower of Christ to take prayer seriously mm. because we have a direct line to the creator of the universe who has the power to do anything and everything and how sad is it if we get so wrapped up in our own busyness that we miss the opportunities to let the world see him in action? Mm. And it's not that he doesn't do things all the time and that he's not involved, but the reality is with prayer, we are moving forward God's agenda, not because he needs us to move it forward. It's not about us, but because he wants a relationship with us and he wants to reveal himself to us, when we speak in prayer about a concern or a situation and then we see it answered, we know it was God that did that. Mm. You know, so if if somebody has cancer and they're healed, but nobody prayed for them, then we might even know they had cancer and it just disappeared on its own. So where does God get the glory and how does our faith grow? Mm -hmm. It doesn't because we weren't engaged in that process. But when we know that there's something wrong and we choose to step into it in prayer and then God does something about it, then our faith grows because Mm -hmm. we've seen him work and he is glorified for what Mm -hmm. he is and what he did. And so it's it, it always goes back to moving forward his plan and his bringing his kingdom here on earth. But in the process, we get the blessing and we get the growth from mm-hmm. that. And so understanding that there is power in prayer and a responsibility that goes with being a Christian, literally, I, I think you could spend 24 hours a day in prayer and never cover everything that needs prayer. Mm. But God puts us in a circle of influence. He puts us in relationship with with people. And sometimes that circle can be very small. It may be just your immediate family. You may work outside the home. Maybe you have, you know, coworkers that you impact, or if you're in a field where you're interacting with people, that circle can get very big. Mm-hmm. The circle that you're in is the circle he's given you an accountability for and is is my belief. And so you are meant to be engaged and aware and interceding for those people. Mm-hmm. And if you and and you know we know the the parable of the talents and how you know there were talents given to to multiple servants and the ones that did well with it were given more mm-hmm. and the one that hid it and didn't use that talent um it was taken away from them. And you know it's interesting that they use the word talent because it really was meant to be much more than money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the gifts that God gives us were meant to use. And and I believe that's the way prayer works too. You know, if if you are so preoccupied that you miss the blessing of praying, one, your your faith life is not going to be what it could be. 
Um, you're not going to be the same impact on the world around you because you're not engaged in a way that's going to make an eternal difference. So once you take those steps to really step into prayer and take it seriously and you see him work, then he get, your circle gets bigger mm-hmm. and it gets bigger. And so it's very much like those talents. So the reality is that prayer is meant to be a two-way conversation. And as we're sitting here talking, you can tell that I'm really good at the one-way conversation that you've not said very much at all, and I'm still going, and I could go for hours. So part of that discipline of prayer is also the silence Mm. of sitting in quiet. And I'm a very type A personality. Quiet is not my first love or my first go-to, although it has become a love of mine. I love when I can get to that place within my own spirit that I can shut up and listen Mm. and really be in tune with what the Lord has to say. He knows everything. So he doesn't just speak to me in prayer, and he does speak to me in prayer, but he also speaks to me through his word. He also speaks to me through visions and dreams. And, you know, there's times that he has a hard time getting my attention. So he uses those other avenues to say, hey, pay attention. Mm. Um, every I, I can't think of any vision that he has given me that has not been connected to prayer and how I need to strategically pray for a situation, whether it's a person or a situation or the spiritual battle that's raging around something. Every vision I've had that I can recall, and I think I can recall all of them, have been the root of it has been, hey, wake up. I'm trying to get your attention this is the source of what's going on, and you need to be praying toward that source because you can't make a difference mm. if you don't understand what the battle is. And and I shared with you, you know, as the mother of six kids and working full time, my heart has longed for this quiet time with the Lord. And it has been there's been many years of seasons of of chaos. So finding that time has really been him waking me up in the middle of the night and me getting up and listening because my house is quiet mm-hmm. and it's not great on the sleep side of things, but he has sustained me through that. And it really is that combination of being quiet and in tune. And you think about your radio and and how just a little bit off and you can't hear anything, but Mm -hmm. you get the right frequency and all of a sudden you can hear music, you can hear speech. And that channel of prayer that you have is meant to be a receiver also. Mm. And there's a process of quieting your heart and mind and surrendering to to Christ that is required to tune in to hear Mm. his voice. Mm -hmm. And um, there have been times that I'm like, Lord, I've been waiting to hear from you. I haven't heard from you for a while. And I finally get to that place where I tune in right. And he's like, I've been here the whole time (laughs) waiting for you to figure it out. And And I'm like, but you know my heart. I want to hear from you all the time, but I get in my own way. Mm. And so (laughs) I love that analogy of the radio. Like that is just a really great analogy. What would you say to someone who maybe is desiring to hear from God, but feels like I don't hear from God. I don't, I don't have these visions. I don't hear back from him in my quiet time. What would you say to that person? Um, Don't get discouraged. You don't become concert pianist overnight. Mm -hmm. You don't become a prima ballerina overnight. And there are things that take effort. There are three words that the Lord gave me years ago when I was walking and praying and um, kind of the beginning of some of the more significant spiritual battles. And I was walking and praying and telling the Lord how I wanted to be used by Him. And He said, I require three things of you, obedience, sacrifice, and perseverance. Mm. 
And I say they're ugly because those are the hard things. Mm. You know, I, just our human nature is to be willful. I want what I want mm-hmm. when I want it. And to discipline yourself to choose daily that I want what he wants so much more than I want what I want. It takes intentionality. Mm-hmm. And who likes the word sacrifice? You know, what? why do I want to give up stuff? You know, I want to, our human nature is to accumulate mm-hmm. and to take and Yet it is truly with surrendering and opening ourselves up that we can really be used. And we have to be willing to sacrifice our own agenda, our Mm -hmm. own plan. And, you know, I have to say there's a part of me that in, I I don't mean in a judgmental way, but when I hear people say, you know, well, I've got my plan, I'm going to have two children and I'm going to, you know, work X number of years. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And my heart is heavy. It's like, where are you leaving room for God? You've got your plan figured out, and that's great. And he may be gracious and let you have your plan. But do you know what you're missing? Because you're leading your plan and not leaving your life open to what his plan is. I can tell you in my life that if I had chosen my way, I mm-hmm. wouldn't be in Wabash. I wouldn't have had six kids. Um, I would. I, there's just so many things that wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Because I, if I had been determined to do it my way, and there's so much more out there. Kind of joke with my husband about writing a book or a devotional on paradoxes, because you think of how, how do you gain things? And in the Christian journey, it's by giving it away. Yeah. It's about letting go and, and giving and that's so counterintuitive with the way the world does things. Mm-hmm. But our Christian journey is really full of these paradoxes that make no sense, but yet they're so real. Mm-hmm. They're so real. Even in you know Christ being the lion and the lamb, and how can he be both? But he is. Mm-hmm. And, and so you realize that there's this richness and this depth because of uh, those, those extremes, I mm-hmm. guess. The upside down kingdom, right? Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, absolutely. It's amazing that um, we believe in this Father and this Son and Holy Spirit that can bring kingdom to earth, but it would be in no way that we would have done it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so like what you said about being in control and type A and all of that, I can totally relate. It's very mm-hmm. much who I am, but also just being aware that, okay, this is this is how you've wired me, but here I am, Lord, use me. Yeah. So tell me about the word, one of the words you used was obedience. And you talked about how, you know, these are hard words because mm-hmm. because it requires a lot. What does it look like in your life to be obedient to God? It's interesting. It is interesting. And, you know, there are times that the world looks at you and says, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. My parents, you know, over the years, when I've stepped in obedience, they've just kind of shaken their heads, not understanding. Yeah. You know? And so you can't expect the world to understand mm-hmm. the upside down kingdom, yeah. um, God's call on your life. And and if you're, if you're blessed to have people in your life that know you and love you and accept that that's the world you live in, I'm married to one of those. I have a lot of good friends, blessings in my life that get me and get that that it's different. Mm-hmm. And but obedience, um, I chuckle because I I've t- shared with you that the Lord calls me on these journeys to go and intercede and pray in nations and pray for people groups around the world. Um, not something I would have ever even imagined in my craziest dreams um, doing. And yet that's that's where the Lord has me. But one of the, the things I chuckle about is 
my next journey may be Italy, possibly. But I'm hesitant more so because Italy is the place I want to go. I've always wanted to go to Italy. I just got back from Egypt. Egypt was not a place I ever wanted to go. So when I heard the call to Egypt and I saw the vision of Egypt, it was like, okay, I'll prepare. Yeah. But part of it was because it wasn't something I wanted. Mm -hmm. And one of the cues that can be, this is from God, is does it go against what you would like? Mm. And if it does, step a little deeper Mm. and then pray for confirmation. And he's so gracious to bring confirmation. For example, I love to share flowers. That started when I was like four years old and went from widow's house to widow's house. I would take flowers. Sometimes I picked them from yards. I don't know who they were, (laughs) but I just felt like those little old ladies needed a pick-me-up, so I'd I'd give them flowers. Um, And I still take people flowers. Um, It's the beauty of God's creation. Yes, yes. The thought crossed my mind, go get flowers and and take them around. So that was what I thought. And I got home, I started dinner, and I thought, you know, it's been a long day. I'm kind of tired. I don't know that I, I don't have to go get flowers tonight. I can go get those tomorrow and take them around. A a day doesn't matter. So I talked myself out of it. So I'm cooking dinner and I hear the Lord say, go now. And I'm like, what? Go now and get them. And I'm like, okay. So I turned supper down, walked through the house, opened my husband's door to his office. And I said, hey, dinner's on. Um, I turned it down, but you'll have to check it. And I am going now to get flowers. And he, he, he knows. So he's like, he just chuckles. He goes, okay, you'll have to tell me about the divine appointment later. And so I go to the store, go to Kroger's, and I'm looking, get, get some flowers. And I'm looking around for the assignment because I know the fact that he called me out. And I wasn't looking at that point to go. I was not really thinking I wanted to. I'd already made the decision I wasn't going to, but I kept looking. I knew I know a lot of people in the community, so there's lots of people I knew at this store, but they weren't the person. And I got my stuff, left, and I'm like, okay, Lord, I thought that this was an assignment, but maybe it wasn't. And I go to turn on to Castry, and I look to the right, and I see the assignment. There's a lady walking. And as soon as I saw her, I knew that was the assignment. Mm. And I gave her a ride and had a very long conversation. Her story was very sad, and she feels very alone and very forgotten, mm. disconnected from her family. She says, you know, she's she does a lot of praying, and she just wants her family and her friends to be blessed, but she just has somehow lost connection with everyone. And so I spent time listening to her story and and talking with her and praying with her. And at the end of the conversation, she said, I can't believe you picked me up because no one wants to have anything to do with me. Mm. And I looked at her and I said, you're so wrong. You have not been forgotten. God remembers you. Yeah. God got my attention when I was in the middle of doing something and told me, now, go now. And I said, D- just let that resonate with you. Yeah. I mean, he wanted you to know that he hasn't forgotten you. And she just wept. Aww. She just wept. And uh, and so that's just a simple example of how when you when you hear him, you know, there are times that you can kind of not pay attention and kind of miss it. But if your heart is that you really want to be obedient, 
he'll give you a second chance yeah. or a third chance to get to get it right. And so when you choose to step into it, it, I mean, how can you not be blessed by the fact that one, that he will use you and two, that you get to bless someone else? Yeah, absolutely. I love that you call it an assignment. So earlier we were kind of just talking about different assignments that God has given you and you've been obedient to go. So tell us some more about what that's looked like and, and specific, like the you, you've written a book mm-hmm. and um, that was something that you didn't want to do. It was something that you didn't feel gifted at doing, and but God gave you an assignment. So can you speak about that a little bit? The Lord has taken me on these journeys around the world and he has taken me to places that I could never have gone and found on my own, taking me to people that I would never, ever be able to to pick out of a crowd. And there's just a depth to what he's shown me that my heart has felt burdened that I should be sharing it somehow. And so one of those nights in prayer, I was asking the Lord, you know, look at what you've done. What do what do I do with this? You know, what do you want me to do? And he said, right. And I'm, I, I was praying and I was listening, but I was like in disbelief. I'm like, I, I'm a physical therapist. I'm not a writer. And I said, Lord, I thought you said, right. I must have misheard. No, right. And I'm like, and I came back and I said, Lord, write what? And he said so clearly, write what I've done for you. And how humbling. I, and, and I shared with you, I, don't, I was like, how do I even begin mm-hmm. to share what you have done in my life and how you have blessed me through that? And I literally sat down the next night or two, borrowed one of my girls' computers after they went to bed and started started typing. Well, first I started writing and I thought this would be a nightmare because <laughs> I then have to transcribe it and type it. So better get a computer. But within two to three weeks of typing from 10 to two or three in the morning, it was written. Mm-hmm. And I just set it on the shelf and I didn't know what to do with it. And, uh, you know, the idea of going out and publishing a book was like many steps further down the road than what I was taking. I just felt like I was obligated to write because that's what he said. Right. And it was probably a year later, one of my dear friends who happened to be one of my employees broke her ankle and she was laid up for six weeks. She was not to wait there at all Mm. for six weeks. And she called me and she said, Sherry, you wrote a book. I am so bored. You got to bring it here. Let me read it. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah. And she said, no, I'm serious. And I said, well, it's never been edited. She said, no, I'm serious. I want to read it. So I took it to her and I went back and checked on her a couple weeks later and um, to see how she was getting along. And she said, Sherry, you got to get this book published. And I said, is it okay? She said, Sherry, it's more than okay. She said, I've never read a book that is written better. She said, you need to get this published. And I'm going, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of putting yourself out there in ways that I wasn't sure I wanted to. And the end of that book, I talk about the Lord's heart for the forgotten people. Mm. And she said, so tell me, where's the next journey that the Lord's calling you on? And I said, well, I believe it's Myanmar. She said, Myanmar. I said, yeah, it used to be Burma. And I said, I haven't got it all figured out yet, but I believe it, that it's Myanmar. And... um so I left her, and I come back a couple weeks later to check on her. And I'd been praying the day before, and I, I said, Lord, you've given me this burden that the next journey is Myanmar. I don't even know what language they speak. I don't know who's supposed to go with me. If this is supposed to happen, and, and I sense that it's supposed to happen in the near future, you got to pull some of these pieces together for me. So I visited Mary 
uh, well, I, that was a Sunday I prayed. Monday I went to work and I had a patient who was in the in the pool that we have talking. We'd get to talk a lot because she's walking, you know, yeah. a long time. And I shared something with her and she goes, oh, that reminds me of this people group that I used to help counsel. And they had these snakes tattooed on their legs. And she said, I found it really strange. And I asked them why they had those snakes tattooed on their legs. And they said, oh, because in our home country, when you'd run through the tall grass, there were poisonous snakes. And if they saw another snake, they would hesitate. So it gave you a chance to get away. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting because I can't think of the name of the people group, though. And so she finished her her session and she goes, oh, my goodness, Burmese. They were the Burmese. They're the Burmese in Fort Wayne. That That's who the people group is. And then it was like this, ta-da, Myanmar was Burma. It's Burmese is the language I need to start working on. And so, you know, the light bulb would come on. I went to my desk, sat down, pulled up my emails. And the fourth email down, it said Spanish. Burmese, and I can't remember the third language, conversations. And I'm like, what? (laughs) So I clicked on it, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's right. Parkview does foreign language classes because of the patient population. There are some Burmese people. And I thought, I could take a class in Burmese through work. This would be great. And I thought, oh, I'm so busy. There's no way I can fit that into my schedule. That would be like a half-day project to get to Fort Wayne and back. So I click on it, and it says Burmese class, Parkview Wabash, in it was 10 days. And I'm like, are you serious, Lord? Okay, you, you've, you've made you've provision. you it all out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, we have, at that point, zero Burmese population in our community. So why would you bring Burmese here? But Oh, yeah, because Sherry needs it. That would be a good reason to bring it, you know. So I just had to chuckle. So I went to visit Mary that that same day and I, or the next day, and I said, um, she said, so has there been any more movement on this trip to, to Myanmar? And I said, well, actually, it is amazing. But, yeah, there is. You know, I was praying Sunday, and I told the Lord that I needed to know what language to learn, and I needed to know who was going to go with me. And his response to who was to go with me was they already know. And I, and I said, I don't know who that is. And I told him, how in the world am I ever going to figure out who is supposed to go by they know, because I know a lot of people, and am I, right. how am I, that doesn't really help me. And the look on her face just changed. And I looked at her and I said, are you the one that's supposed to go? And she said, yes. She said, um, when you left the other day and you had said that, you were going, you felt called to Myanmar and I had just finished your book and it said the forgotten people. She goes, I typed in the computer forgotten people and Myanmar was what came up. And she said, I thought, oh my goodness, I'm supposed to go. I was like, Lord, within 48 hours, you've answered both Mm -hmm. of the big questions. Now there was a big battle for her to go or not to go. She didn't like to travel. Her husband didn't want her to go. So that's a whole nother story, but just God's faithfulness in putting the pieces together. And, but you know, each and every day we make those choices to take those steps of faith of stepping into prayer, stepping into obedience with what we hear. And when you take those steps and see him pull it all together, how can you not be excited to just keep taking more steps? Yeah. 
Yeah. So tell me in your life how you've been able to discern, because a lot of the times we, you know, people think things happen by coincidence or they think, <laughs> you know, I hear this voice, but I think that's the voice that's, that's the enemy. And, you know, how, how we have all of these voices and we have worldly voices and we have the enemy trying to talk to us and we have the spirit of God trying to talk to us. How do you discern what is from God and what's from the world? Well, and, and that's a, there's a process to that. Now, now, when I was cooking and I heard the Lord say, go now, that was his voice. And I knew it was his voice. And I also knew there was an urgency that I wasn't going to stand there and wait for multiple layers of, of confirmation in the process because it was a now yeah. kind of thing. And the reality is if I had waited, I would have missed her. Right. In general, you know, for like my, my journeys, I pray for confirmation and I, and anything, God is never, ever, ever going to ask you to do something that's contrary to his word. Right. You know, so knowing what his word says mm -hmm. and, and seeking confirmation within that is huge in helping confirm that something. So the first test is, is this contrary to God's spirit, his word? If it is, it's, it, there's no sense in wasting any more time on it. Right. If it isn't, but you still question, then praying, asking for confirmation. And and I do, there are times that I'll, I'll feel the Lord has spoken to me. And then I think, you know, I didn't really pray a covering of the blood of Christ over me for this conversation with him. It is possible I heard something else. And so then I will go back and and, and say, Lord, you know, please seal over this conversation between you and I, that the enemy cannot impact it, mm. that there's no interference. Um, just put that shield of protection over over me. And and I do plead the blood of Christ over me um, when I pray because I know there can be interference. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, we know the Bible tells us that there are spirits that love to deceive and that there are false teachers. And so we have to be hesitant to discern. We have to take that time to discern. And so, you know, I shared with you that I wrote the the first book and then was talking to the Lord about how, you know, you've given me all these more, all these stories and these experiences. What do I do with these? And the Lord said, right. And he gave me two title, two more titles. And the next day I'm walking out of the house and my husband, who I've not had a conversation with, just out of the blue says, you know, there's going to be three books altogether. There's two more books. And I know the titles. And they were what the Lord gave me the night before. That was confirmation. I wasn't mm. even, at that point, I wasn't even asking. Right. And yet the Lord prompted him, told him what he needed to tell me. And he was obedient to share it when he had the opportunity. So, you know, if there's doubt, if you're not sure, asking for confirmation, God is going to do that for you because he doesn't want you to make mistakes. He Not that he can't use them, and he does when we do. And I tell him frequently, Lord, I completely trust you. I don't trust me. Mm -hmm. I know that I can get in the way. I know that my own ideas and my own thoughts can can get in the way. And I don't ever want to step outside of that. And so you know, I shared with you that Joshua, the Lord has taken me to Joshua so many times. And, you know, he talks about be strong and courageous. And then he says, don't go to the left or to the right, but but stay on the path. And so I pray that, Lord, hedge me in. Don't let me go to the left or to the right. I don't want to waste my life energy on some tangent that has no eternal impact. Mm -hmm. I want to be intentional. There is that seriousness about our journey that maybe, you know, Maybe it's partially my age, and and I own that. In that, I am 
more than happy to spend hours talking with you if your heart is that you want to grow in your journey with God. If you want to share with me all of your exploits and your drinking and all of the things, and you don't have any desire to change out of that pattern of life, I don't want to waste my life energies talking with you. Mm. And there's a part of me that feels like that seems so harsh, but I only have so much to right. give. Yeah. And if you're not wise about how you use that, then it, it becomes a waste and you've lost an opportunity somewhere else. And if one-on-one people want me to to hear their stories and know how to pray for them, it's my privilege to do that. But I don't want to put myself in in places and use my energy in ways that I can't see any fruit from. Mm. So realizing that I'm limited, God isn't. And, you know, I, over the years, my mom would say, I don't know how you accomplish all that you accomplish. And, and, and what I say, and I say this to all mothers, you know, you have to be obedient to what God is calling you to. And it looks different for one person Mm -hmm. to the next. And so you can't compare yourself to, in your life to someone else's life. It's not about being uh, one life being better than another. It's about that obedience and stepping into what God has for you. So there are people that their life is very simple and their circle is small, but it's powerful. And how they impact those lives are going to ripple out in huge ways because of their obedience where they are at. And then there are people that their own ripples will travel out far because of who God designed them to be. And that doesn't make one better than the other. They're just different. Right. I had the opportunity to speak in India for an international gathering of church leaders, the women part of it. And um, Nehemiah was the, the, the book that they were going out of. And Nehemiah, you know, had this desire to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem after it had been torn down. He had gone back to Jerusalem and the temple was built, but the wall was still destroyed. And he had such wisdom. Well, God blessed that process. This foreign king gave him permission to go, gave him resources to rebuild it. I mean, who does that? God God had to do that. And he had this wisdom that he told the people, you know, they were like, how do we do this? You know, this is a huge undertaking. And he didn't let them focus on the big picture. He said, build the wall in front of your home. Such wisdom in that. It wasn't, look at this huge wall that we have to build. It was, build the section right in front Mm. of you, what you have in front of you. And, you know, there's wisdom because it wasn't such a big piece of the wall. The other thing is that part of the wall was going to protect your family. You're going to do a good job because you're invested in that. And so that is an example of our faith, how God gives us what's in front of us now the people that finished their section of the wall and did well, he'd give them another assignment. But he started with the simple task of build the wall in front of you. And so that's a part of that journey is do well what he puts in front of you. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. I want you to talk a little bit about what it's looked like to persevere because I think sometimes people think everything's going to be hunky-dory when you when you say yes to God. And so what does that look like in your life so many times people think that when they step into the Christian walk, that's going to make things easier for them. Right. 
Um, and the reality is it, it does not. And, you know, you know, God says, I, I let it rain on the, the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. And rain can be a blessing and it cannot be a blessing, you mm-hmm. know, depending on if you're in a flood, the rain is not really a blessing at that point. And, and so realizing that our life, our journey has to have struggles in it. One, it's where we get stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really where we grow out of are those challenges. Um, but it also is what the world watches. You know, it when they see that quote perfect Christian life, they that's not real. Mm-hmm. And so when they see that there's struggles in the midst of it and they see how you handle those struggles, mm-hmm. that's where Christ is shown. That is where the light is shown. It is where God is glorified. And so, you know, when he says sacrifice and perseverance are two of the two of the three words in my life, um, to to be used by him. Perseverance is sticking it out when it's not easy. And and I did. I had I shared with you that I was on a trip to India and then to the Philippines. And before I left, I, I had some significant spiritual attack to the point that it was the first time that I physically was attacked by something I couldn't see, which sounds like crazy talk. Um, and I realized that, but my husband, I woke my husband up because I was being strangled and he recognized it and dropped to his knees. And out of that experience, you know, the Lord was gracious and pushed that uh, away, but it, it left me and went to my daughter and told her that I was going to die if I went on this trip. And so a real, real emotional struggle for us. And she kept saying, if you love me, you won't go. And I said, I have to be obedient. And I have to be obedient even, and she said, so you know you're coming home. And I said, no, I can't guarantee that I'm coming home. Why would you go if you don't think you're coming home? And I said, because I'm called to be obedient and I am safer wherever God calls me than to be anywhere outside of his will. Mm -hmm. And knowing that life is really fragile and, you know, there literally are people that lay their head down at night and they don't wake up. There are people that are walking down the street that fall, hit their head, and they're gone. You know, there are people that are struck by lightning. I mean, there's just crazy things that that mm-hmm. cause people to leave this life and enter eternity. And and so I know I know where I'm going when I'm done, mm-hmm. and I want to accomplish all that I can for the kingdom while I'm here. That means that they, he's, he's put me in some places that are not nice. And mm-hmm. he, and I've had a lot of people over the years say, you know, you, aren't you scared? Or that wasn't safe. That wasn't comfortable. And, and that's kind of a lie that the American people have kind of succumbed to. Comfort is one of our big priorities. We mm-hmm. want to be comfortable. You know, when our air conditioning goes out, you know, if if our furniture isn't comfortable. I mean, these are the things that consume our energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet when you travel the world, there are places that have never had air conditioning, you know, and it's 120 degrees. And, you know, so there is this level of stepping out of the comfort zone that you experience things on a different level. Mm-hmm. And it really is a lie of the enemy that our goal needs to be to be comfortable and that things should be easy. The reality is that we grow and are stretched and become stronger and more formidable in the battle mm-hmm. because we're engaged in the battle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I years ago read a book and it's that was talking about the spiritual battle and that they said, you know, um, when you travel around the world, there's so much like 
activity of people being demon possessed, the stuff that you just don't really see here. Mm -hmm. And they asked this writer, you know, why do you think that is? And he said, well, here the devil is, is this funny guy with a red tail and a pitchfork and he's a cartoon character Mm -hmm. and people don't take him seriously. And so all of the schemes that he's created to distract us and, and to deceive us have been so effective. He doesn't have to use his, his troops, his demons to interact here very much at all because he's gotten such a great foothold where we are. And that reminds me of a dream the Lord gave me. I was, I stepped into this large room and there were like stations of people that were doing things and just somebody was sewing, somebody was setting a cup of coffee down. And I can't even remember all the different things, but you could just see that all these like one or two people were, were busy doing an activity and I stepped in and none of them noticed me. Mm. And I'm looking around and I'm thinking, wow, they are really intense on what they're doing. And I'm observing, which I'm an observer. And so I'm looking and I start taking a step and I bump the coffee table. The lady just set a cup of coffee on. Well, it spilled the coffee. And the clink of the glass and the spill of the coffee Everyone stopped what they were doing and turned and looked. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, my goodness, that got everyone's attention. And I realized there is something about being a fool for Christ. What is it that you're willing to do to get someone's attention so that they notice that there's something different? Mm. So that really made me think about this trance idea that people were in. And one of the people that was there was uh, Dr. Ahaz Mirza. He was an orthopedic surgeon here. He was Muslim. Mm. And I loved him. He was such a sweet man, very devout Muslim, never got to have an opportunity to lead him to Christ. Um, So when I was in this dream and he was present, he had died. And he had gone to pick up his mother in Pakistan and had a heart attack there and didn't make it home. And so I was shocked that he was in this dream. It's not somebody I would dream about. And I looked at him and he had this pleading look and he said, Sherry, it is too late for me, but don't let it be too late for others. Mm. And that just went to the core of me. Mm-hmm. And so just the intentionality that it requires to keep stepping into obedience, persevering. But if you have the opportunity to save someone because of making a fool of yourself, you know, crazy talk, whatever, (laughs) is it worth it to you? And it is absolutely worth it to me. Mm. Um, Because in the end, God has given me this love for people. That is so beyond me. Yeah. I, I meet people and I love them. I An overwhelming love. And oftentimes I'll say, I love you when I leave. And I'm thinking, that sounds like crazy talk. <laughs> you don't know them. But I love them because the Lord loves them. Yes. And so out of love, I don't want to see people lost. I don't like to see people broken. It's one of the blessings in my career. People come in thinking they're here for their strained shoulder or their knee pain and they're here because they're broken, and mm. the Lord has called them so that we can pray over their brokenness and bring them to the cross, and um, it's a privilege. Mm-hmm. It's a privilege. But I want that fluidity of my faith 
to be in every aspect of it. I want mm-hmm. that love of Christ to pour out, whether you're a stranger I meet on the street, in the store, a divine appointment, mm-hmm. um, or the assignment where he sends me on a mission around the world. He sent me to Africa and told me to to pray about the headwaters, and he took me to the outback. There's no water and very little water. And I'm like, Lord, you're talking about the headwaters. I don't understand. You keep saying headwaters and there's no water. (laughs) And toward the end of my journey there, the Lord took me um, to a place called Uluru, also known as Ayers Rock. And it was a very spiritually significant place for the Aborigines. Seeing the sunset on Uluru is this huge tourist experience because the rock becomes this brilliant orange that it glows. Mm at the sunset. And so the the people we were traveling with at that time, this tour trip parked the bus and we were supposed to sit and watch the, the sunset. Well, there's this woman sitting alone on the sidewalk. She had some paintings and my daughter Grace was with me and I looked at her. I turned to look at her to say, I need to go talk. She goes, I know you need to go talk to her. And I'm like, yep. Are you okay? And she goes, yeah, I'm fine. So I went over. Nellie Patterson is her name. I said, hi, I'm Sherry uh, Shoning. I'm from America. What are you doing here? And she laughed and she said, oh, I, I'm, I'm selling my paintings. And she said, no, what are you doing here? And I said, well, the Lord called me here to pray for your nation and to pray for your people. And she started, she teared up and she said, oh, how I love Jesus. She said, I am the oldest person in my tribe. I'm from the Anunga tribe. I'm the Chukurpa. And I'm like, huh? (laughs) And she said, I died. And Jesus brought me back because I wasn't done. The Chukurpa is the keeper of the law. I'm the one that has the stories, the heritage of my people. And she said, I have lived a long life. And she said, I walked this, this land before there were ever white people. And she said, I, would, I walked with my family. And she said, I remember the first time we saw a caravan come through and there was an elderly woman and her granddaughter. That was the first white person I met. And she said, not long after that, we saw this billowing dust and there was a car at, that pulled that drove through the desert, and they planted a flag next to Uluru to claim it as theirs. And I'm thinking the history this woman has witnessed. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, just mind-boggling. And I said, "Oh my goodness!" That I said, "You've experienced so much." And she just laughed, and she just she just beamed the light of Christ. And we sat and talked for a little while. And I said, do you mind if I pray with you and pray for your people? And she said, oh no. And I explained to her, I was there to pray for spiritual strongholds to be broken and for God to be able to move in mighty ways through her people and through this nation. She goes, oh, that's my heart. That's my heart. And she said, your heart and my heart beat the same. And so I stood and prayed with her and I got home and I thought she talked about how she was an international artist. And so I typed in Nellie Patterson and she was the Chukurpa of the Anunga tribe, which happened to be the oldest Aborigine tribe in, in Australia. They are the founding tribe. They are the headwaters. She's the eldest person in that tribe and she's the keeper of the law. She was the headwaters 
Wow. And so just how the Lord layers these things, and that's one of my assignments, but he's done multiple of those where he has taken me to people that I would never, I mean, I was in the outback, you know, how would I ever have found this woman? But the Lord had this divine appointment. Mm -hmm. He had given me the assignment and it took me taking steps of obedience and Mm -hmm. being open to be used to connect me with a woman that was the woman I needed to me. And so that's how he keeps pulling me in. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I know that is just one of the many stories that you have, because even you've told me some we've recorded, you told me some that we didn't even get recorded. And it's just amazing to me that when you lean in and when you listen to the spirit and when you go where God calls you, he just works it all out. And there is risk and there is fear And there is a lot of things, but nothing is greater than what God's called you to do. Absolutely. And, you know, knowing that you're in His hands empowers you. Mm -hmm. Not that you're foolish, but it gives you a confidence to take those steps. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for being here. If you would like to grab Sherry's book, I do believe it's on Amazon, right? Yeah. And that one is called... There's two of them. Okay. It's about him and it's still about him. I love it. I love it. So those are on Amazon if you would like to grab one of Sherry's books. And I know that she's probably thinking, it's not about my books. It's about him right now. But I just want to give you good Christ-like material to be able to dive into, to be able to ask questions, lean into your assignments, lean into where pe- where God has placed you. There's so many of us that have circles of influence and it matters and it matters how you live and it matters what you do. And part of hearing other people's stories is to hear about their circle of influence and to hear about how God has equipped them to live for Him. And so I I pray that you're encouraged today. Um, I hope that Sherry just enlightened you or uh, maybe just broke some strongholds as we were talking of, of fears that you have and stepping into the unknown. I know that she gave me a lot to chew on and I'm thankful for that. And every single time I sit down with a God-fearing woman and with somebody who's following Jesus with all that they are, I I walk away encouraged. I walk away changed. I walk away knowing that God made that appointment on purpose. So we love hearing everyone's stories and I'm just so thankful that you were willing to come in. So we're just super excited. Come back and we will see who we chat with next. Thanks so much, Sherry. You are welcome. God bless. You too. That's it for this week's episode of Sisterhood Stories. Be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. This podcast was produced and edited by Up There Media LLC and brought to you by Bachelor Creek Church of Christ. I'm your host, Taylor McFarland. See you next episode.